Welcome to the Study Rooms podcast, a series of teachings from the Study Rooms class about the Bible and its effect on our daily lives. We hope it blesses you. Ready your hearts and minds for God to teach you. The gospel of Jesus shapes our faith as believers. It is what we anchor our lives on and how we know how to live as new creations. In this episode, we begin the three-part series on how the gospel shapes our identity. Let's join Eva Dan Yusuf for today's class. Ephesians 3, 6 says, And this is God's plan, both Gentiles and Jews, who believe the good news, the good news share equally in the riches. Okay? And this is God's plan, both Gentiles and Jews who believe who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of the blessing because they belong to Jesus Christ. Okay, let us also read Ephesians 2, 19 to 21. Ephesians 2, 19 to 21. So now you Gentiles, that's referring to us, are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, we are also being made part of his dwelling where God's spirit lives. What this means is that we now have a new family, we now have a new home, we have a new kingdom, we have a new calling. In fact, we have an entirely new life. Now that we are in Christ Jesus, we are no longer after the sin or after flesh or after our sinful desires. We are no longer in this world. When Jesus was praying, when he was about to leave his disciples, he prayed for them, say, Father, I want you to keep them in this world. I want you to let them know that although they are in this world, they are not of this world. The reason why I'm emphasizing this is that we need to understand that it is no longer business as usual. It's not that we just achieved another thing in our life and then life goes on as normal. We did not just buy a new car and then life continues. We changed our entire lives. We gave our lives to Jesus and we accepted his life. And accepting the life of God means a lot of things. It means a lot of responsibilities. It means a lot of change. It means new things. It means that we now have a new family. We now have new brothers, new sisters, new everything. We now have new kingdom, new rules, new regulations, new cultures, new a new language. We now have everything different. And the earlier we begin to understand that everything is now different and following this new life that we have, we are going to always be living a double life. We are going to be living double lives, double standards, double everything until we know and accept the life that we now have, what Jesus has done for us. All right, how does this new life transform our daily lives? This is the core emphasis of what we are going to be studying today. Can we all open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5? 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. We're going to read from 17. So let's start from 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. 
how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. And he gave us the wonderful message of reconciliation. He gave us the wonderful message of reconciliation. So now we are a new creation, right? Old has gone, new has come. How do we now live this new life? For some of us, we gave our lives to Christ very early. For others, it was not so early. So imagine that you have lived 20-something years, 30-something years of your life in an old nature. And now they say all that old nature is gone and a new nature has come, a new life has come. How do you now live that new life? What is this new life? What does this new life expect of you? What are the new rules? What are the new customs? What are the new expectations of this new life? A lot of us were told that when we give our lives to Christ, we, when we die, we'll go to heaven. The scripture is 2 Corinthians 5 from verse 17. When some of us were, some of us were told when the, with the gospel that now that we are born again, we are just going to go to heaven. So many of us were told, um, if you don't give your life to Christ now, you will die and you go to hell. I said, no, that's, that's all it is. Like if you die, you will go to hell or you go to heaven. But you've given your life to Christ. You haven't died. You are still alive. So how do you live this life that you now have before you get to heaven? Okay, there's so much more that this life has to offer us before we die and eventually go and be with the Lord. In this time now, how do we live this new life, okay? The first thing we are going to look at is our true sight. So today we are just going to be doing a Bible study from Colossians chapter three. So a lot of what we are going to be reading is from going to be from the entire book of Colossians, um, yeah, chapter of Colossians three. So let's just open our Bibles to Colossians three. Colossians 3 actually really spells out towards how to live this new life that we have while we are on earth. So we are going to start from Colossians 3, 1 to 4. So the first point we are making is our true sight. So let's read Colossians 3, 1 to 4. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sight on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven not the things of earth, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. When Christ, your new life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share his glory. One of the emphasis that I want to make is that we always need to be conscious of heaven. The earlier times when I heard about heaven consciousness, I used to think about death. I used to immediately think about death. So when you say, let's be conscious of heaven, I used to think about death, dying, because, well, how do you get to heaven if you don't die first? And when I think about death, I think about all the negative connotations that come with death. And immediately it brings fear into my heart. And I'm like, I don't want to die now. If I'm heaven conscious, always thinking about heaven, maybe God will call me home. It's a thing, it's a thing. 
But when we say be conscious of heaven, you need to understand that at the end of all life, there's something that is really important. And what is really important is who we are and the kingdom that we have, the kingdom of God. The truth is that at the end of all these things that we do on this earth, we are going to go somewhere. We all have to be conscious of the afterlife, of life after now, of life after now, because this is not where we get judged. This is not where we get rewarded, per se. This is not where the end of all reward is. The end of all reward is at that place in the white throne judgment where we stand before God and we hear what he has to say to us based on what he has asked us to do. When we hear about judgment, we are immediately afraid because we just think that judgment is like God using a hammer to hit down on us because of the sin that we have done. But concerning the believer and sin, sin itself has been judged already. And sin has been judged and depending wages of that sin, the, the judgment of that sin was death. And Jesus Christ paid the price for that death so seeing the price, the judgment for sin has been paid already in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So as believers, we ought not to be afraid anymore of the judgment of sin. Do you understand what I mean? But will we still be judged? Yes. As believers, at the end of all times, we will be judged. But we are not, being, we are not supposed to be afraid of that judgment because that judgment does not decide for us whether we go to heaven or hell. That, that judgment that decides for us whether we're going to heaven or hell has been judged already and the price has been paid and we have been given the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And for us, that judgment is that we are now hid in Christ and Christ in God and the, the life that we now live is Christ's life. So when on the end of all times and we will stand before God and they'll read out the names in the book of life, our names will be there because that judgment has been paid and we believe in the price that was paid for that judgment and we have accepted it, okay? This judgment I'm referring to is the judgment for believers where God will ask you, I have given you these talents. What have you done with it? I have given you this whole life. I gave you 50 years. I gave you 70 years. I gave you 100 years upon the earth. What have you done with the years that I've given to you, the talents that I've given to you, the gifts that you have given to you? What, that's the judgment I'm talking, to, talking about. We must always be conscious of the fact that that is where it is. Our victory and success will be judged at the end of time by the judge of all judges. God will not judge us based on what he did not ask us to do. God will judge us based on what he has asked us to do. God will not be a good judge if God is judging you based on what he has not asked you to do. I mean this in two ways. Some of us go ahead and do so many things that are not in line with what God has asked us to do. And by that, I mean in like maybe in specific things. So for instance, God spoke to you in your heart and says, um, Sister A is in need. I want you to take this money and give to her to help her need, right? This, for example. But because you don't, you don't want to give Sister A what God has asked you to do, you now find excuses to dodge what God has asked you to do. You now, on your way somewhere, you now see a beggar on the street. 
you now remove some money and give the beggar on the street. And you just feel like because you have done something good, God is not going to ask you on what he has told you to do. God, as a good judge, will only judge you based on the things that he has asked you to do. So whether it's big in big things or as fulfilling like your assignment and your plan on the end, or in little things as in major decisions and little things God has asked you to do, God will ask judge us based on the things that he has asked us to do. I want us to read Matthew chapter 5, 21 to 23. Matthew chapter 5, 21 to 23. Okay, Matthew 5, 21. You have heard that our ancestors were told, our ancestors were told, you must not murder, you must not commit. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say to you, even if you are angry with someone, you are subject to judgment, right? If you call someone an idiot, you are, in danger, you are in danger of being brought before court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifices to God. One of the reasons why I'm reading this scripture, right, is because going to the altar to make sacrifices to God was is a good thing, right? According to the scripture, it's actually something that we are supposed to do. But the Bible says that if you are going to sacrifice, you are going to make sacrifice at the altar, and you remember that you have something against your brother, go ahead and make that reconciliation first before you go ahead and do uh, make your sacrifices at the altar. <laughs> Some of us will just go ahead and make the sacrifices and think that the sacrifices will cleanse every other thing that we're supposed to do that we did not do. One of the things that really struck, struck me when I was preparing for this class is that not only, right, is um, not only like will God just ask us about the things that he told us to do that we did not do. The Bible actually says in James chapter 4 verse 17, if we know what to do and we do not do it, it is regarded as sin unto us. Like there are things that we know that we should do. For instance, Galatians 5 says that whatsoever, um, see? no, Philippians 4 tells us that whatsoever things are true, true, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, we should think on these things, right? The Bible has already told us the things to think about. The Bible also says in James that if we know what to do and we do not do it, it's wrong. So some, sometimes eh, there are some things that the Bible has already told us to do, but we still keep asking, should we do it or should we not do it? If you see somebody that needs help and you have capacity to help them at the time, what is the point in asking God whether you should help them or you should not? When, especially when God has not given you any clear instruction not to help that person. And it's worse that if you have gotten a clear instruction of something and you do not do it, God does not regard that as you just forgot about it. Oh, it's one of youth, youthful carelessness. The Bible actually says it's regarded as sin. I'm not saying this seems like to scare anybody or anything. I'm just saying it that we need to take more seriously the things that are around us, our daily living, our daily, our daily consciousness, the things that we do every day. One of the, the principles that has really guided my life, at least in the last five years, is that God is 
comfortable in the ordinary. Sometimes when it comes to things of God, everybody wants va-va-voom. Everybody wants spectacular. You want a voice from heaven. You want this. You want that. Before you know it's God, lightning must strike, thunder must quake or something. But God is very comfortable in the ordinary things. In the everyday waking up, sleeping, doing this, doing this, doing that, helping people, um, speaking the right things, saying the words that encourage people, being um, conscious of the person beside you, not saying things that will um, hurt them intentionally, loving your neighbor, loving yourself, um, being kind to people, caring for other people. God is actually doing a lot of miraculous work in these seemingly ordinary things. So if you don't take for granted, the God just tells you, send a text to somebody, smile, Somebody place somebody in your heart, take out two minutes to pray for them. All these things are God. God is using them to do extraordinary things. It's not every time somebody is falling down and mountain is quaking, but sometimes in the seeming ordinary things, God is doing a lot with these things. We hope this class has been a blessing to you. There's so much more we have on this channel and we know it'll bless you. New podcasts will be up every week. Don't forget to subscribe to get notified when new podcasts are uploaded. Thank you for joining the study room.